I had to throw that in. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I mean, that's a tough story to read anytime we hear about uh, the murder and massacre of children. Um, I realized something interesting a couple of Sundays ago. We had the Sunday before Thanksgiving. We uh, offered thanks to God, and several people spoke. And what I found really interesting was that probably three-quarters of the people that spoke spoke about tough things they had gone through the past year. And they were giving thanks to God. Isn't that fascinating? And it's not the first time I've noticed that. Every year, I'm always kind of fascinated by the fact that we, when we look back, say, I want to thank God for the adversity that I've experienced this past year. Really? How often do we thank God while we're going through it? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for this stuff that I'm going through right now. Um, It's easy when we're on the other side to look back and go, oh, okay, I understand what I've gone through, and it's made me a better person, but while we're going through it, it's pretty tough. Now, we're in the season of Advent. We're looking at the nativity. Uh, Our sermon series this Advent season is Welcoming Christmas, and last week we talked about welcoming angels. Good. Angels. And so... um, That was, I think, really fun and delightful and to welcome the divine into our lives during this season. Um, But this week, we're going to focus on welcoming adversity. And I just want to thank you all for being here, because if I saw that um, sermon title, I'd probably go, hmm, it's raining outside. (laughs) Maybe I'll stay home today. So um, we like to romanticize the Christmas story, don't we? It's beautiful, it's sweet, it smells good. Yeah, we romanticize the Christmas story, all these beautiful things. But any stories and all these movies that you're thinking about all deal with adversity in the midst of the Christmas season. And certainly the first Christmas is no different. There is lots of adversity, lots of trials uh, that are attached to that Christmas story. I mean, right from the start. A young girl, probably in her teens, becomes pregnant. Scandal. And let's face it, that's scandalous in those days. It's scandalous today. I mean, if somebody became pregnant in our high school group, woof. And of course, we would surround that person and welcome them and, and create a loving environment for them. But in those days, not so much. In those days, that was a capital offense. She could have been put to death. And imagine Joseph. Joseph has an angel come and tell him, hey, hang tight with her. Really? I don't want to. This is an embarrassment to me. Right? He, it would have been uh, a source of mockery to him. And then they have to travel to Bethlehem. Oh, we have this beautiful picture of Joseph walking in front of a donkey and Mary sitting on the donkey and the star above them and everything's peaceful. It's not a nice trip. <laughs> Those of you that have been to Israel kind of know, right? It's, it's at least a three-day trip, probably four on feet. And as uh, Bob Pryor was the pastor up at, in Santa Barbara when I was up there, and he had lived in the Middle East for 30 years, and he'd always say, 
I'm sorry, those pictures are all wrong. It doesn't matter how pregnant she was. Joseph was on the donkey, and she was leading it. <laughs> That's Middle Eastern culture. So why did they have to go to Bethlehem? Because they had to be registered. Why did they have to be registered? Because they were going to get taxed. Why were they going to get taxed? Because in life, there are only two things that are certain. Death and taxes. It goes all the way back to then. So, now how many, that's just, let's be honest for a minute. How many of you love tax time? <laughs> Embrace it. Oh, oh, guess what? I owe the government an extra $500. I'm so happy. So they're having to go and do all this stuff. And she is great with child. She's about to give birth any minute. Now imagine, you're going back. Imagine if you had to pay your taxes and you had to go back to the, the place of your birth to do it. How would you feel about that? And walking. No, that's no fun. Mary probably wasn't even born there. She, had to, she was stuck with Joseph. So she had to go with Joseph. Although she was of the house of Bethlehem. So. Um, they get there. And there's a lot of no vacancy signs outside. So they get to the hotel. Hey, do you have any rooms? Nada. Nothing. So um, how would you feel about that? Have you ever gotten someplace hoping to find a hotel and nothing's available? I've slept in a parking lot at a hotel before in a car. I went up to visit my mom this past week. Um, and she lives up in Los Gatos, or for my Hispanic friends, Los Gatos. Um, and uh, I got there, and my brother, one of the reasons I went up is because my brother was visiting from Idaho. And so I got there. He had gotten there first. He's my older brother. And he got the better room. He got the better bed. And I was a little grumpy about that. I was kind of like, I'm the youngest child. I always get stuck in the middle of the car seat. You know, I'm da-da-da. Never get first choice of anything. I always get the hand-me-downs. And I think about this. There's no rooms available for Mary and Joseph. And she is, you know, I'm just imagining that conversation. Do you have any room at the end? No. Look, my wife is great with child. She's about to pop any minute. And the guy goes, look, I got a bar now back. You can use that. Now let's just think about that. We always think of Christmas as smelling like fresh baked pie. The pies were not quite what we were thinking about <laughs> in that first Christmas. There was a lot of adversity here. And then after this, this final story that I read about, it's horrendous when we think about this, what we call the massacre of Bethlehem. Uh, Herod was just a rotten guy. Um, this would, it was very much in character for Herod. In fact, um, he was just about to die. When he was just about to die, he called all the governors from the uh, different districts uh, had a big feast for them and said, I understand that the people of Israel will not mourn when I die. And then he had them all put to death so that the people of Israel would mourn. 
That's what kind of guy he was. And so for him to say he was scared, here's from these wise men from the east, oh, these people are going to come and uh, we're going to worship this newborn king of Israel. I'm the king of Israel. So he goes and kills every single baby uh, two years or younger. So he was just trying to calculate what that might have looked like. Now imagine if you're the parents and you hear about this. The fear that you would feel, the oppression, and they're having to become refugees. They're refugees running away from a government that's trying to kill them. And they go to a foreign country, probably didn't speak the language, uh, probably didn't have a job set up, probably didn't have much more than the clothes on their back. It's just a good reminder that that first Christmas was not as romantic as we would like to think. It was filled with adversity. And Jesus tells his followers, if you want to follow me, don't expect to stay at the Hilton. <laughs> That's the Greek, what it says in the Greek. Because um, I don't have a place to sleep. I'm sleeping outside. I'm a homeless guy. You're gonna, if you want to follow me, you're going to be homeless too. In the book of Job, Job has been a, led a very blessed life, and then he loses most everything he has. And his wife says, curse God and die. <laughs> what a supportive wife. I love that. Curse God and die. And Job responds, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. Shall we receive good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And one of our most beloved Psalms, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. God is good. He takes me to green pastures. Everything is beautiful. Ah, but then the psalmist goes on. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. So even though we have these times of green pastures and beauty and restoration, we also go through these times of the valley of the shadow. And that's just part of life. But as Christians, we know that Christ walks alongside of us. I know, nobody wants to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we do. And nobody during that time says, well, thanks be to God. But we can look back on it and say thanks to God. In the book of James, the author writes this, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. Consider it all joy when you experience trials and adversity? Joy? Now, I know joy is a great word that we often use at Christmas, but we're supposed to consider trials as joy? I mean, graduation, yes, such a blessing. A new job, such a blessing. Marriage or a baby, such a blessing. New home, such a blessing. Adversity, eh, not so much. And yet James writes, consider it all joy when you experience trials. He goes on to say, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. 
So the adversity we go through has a purpose. It's to strengthen us, to give us endurance, spiritual endurance. James goes on, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, perfect, I struggle with that word. Other translations say mature. Makes a little more sense to me. That you may be mature. So every time we deal with adversity in our lives, it strengthens us, gives us endurance, and makes us more mature in our faith. It basically refines us like gold, refined, removing the impurities. Think about the adversities you've experienced. Think about the trials you've gone through. Maybe you're going through something right now. For me, when I think about my trials and my adversity, I can think of how it has shaped me, how it has made me a better person. I want you to think about that as well. Think about those trials. Think about the adversity and how has it made you a better person. For me, I think I'm more humble. Uh, I think I'm more forgiving, more tolerant of other people. I more quickly put myself into other people's shoes and think, I have no idea what they've gone through in their life, so how can I judge them? It's willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm more patient. Hopefully, I'm more kind. I'm more loving. (laughs) Funny, when I was putting this together, I started to think, well, it sounds like I'm rattling off the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. What if God puts us through adversity and trials to produce that fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Maybe that's the purpose for it. So my challenge for you is to think about that adversity that you've experienced or maybe experiencing right now and put the positive into it. The first Christmas story was filled with adversity. Should our lives be any different? The challenge for us is to welcome that adversity. So talk about it this week. What adversities have you experienced and how have they shaped you to be a better person? I'm going to finish with the lyrics of this song. Uh, Andrea and her friends sang it a few, a couple years ago, I think. It's called Blessings by uh, Laura Story. We pray for blessings. We pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while they sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And all the while, you hear each spoken need, yet love us way too much to give us lesser things. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise. When friends betray us, when darkness seems to win, we know the pain reminds this heart that this is not, this is not our home. 
But what if your blessings come through rainbows? What if your healing comes through tears? And what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? And what if trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights, are your mercies in disguise.